Welcome to Shelby Christian. Hey, you can tell you're in the first service because you saw grandbabies. And the second one, they'll see children. And third, they're just going to run. I'm not ready for that yet. We are glad you're here this morning. Real quick, when I was younger, grew up on a dairy farm. For dad to be there at a track meet was everything. Cows still had to be milked. Hay still had to be picked up. Corn still had to be planted. So for him to be at a, a track meet 
was everything because they were far and few between. But as soon as he would show up, I knew he was there because he'd come up and he'd throw his arms out. Hey, I'm here. Let's go. Can I challenge you this morning to stand up as the, the band is starting to lead? We can't go and shake hands yet, but can you throw your hands? Hey, I'm here. You're here. I am so glad to see you. Let's start our morning off that way.
There's nothing that our God can 
Can I be completely honest with you, church, this morning? Hosting and speaking on, on communion is a challenge. It's a challenge not to say the same thing over and over because the content doesn't change. And this morning, as I was trying to think of maybe something cute, something funny, something creative to think about, absolutely nothing <laughs> came to mind. I love when Doc gives communion because it's like, it's a story with Doc. Like, man, I'm going to be educated really, really quickly here. But I don't have a story. And the more I tried to, to come up with something creative and, and cute, it was just emptiness. But it kept coming back to this consistency. It's a consistency that when Dave gets to the point of the message that, man, he's going to bring it home. The thing that we need to wrestle with the rest of the day and the rest of the, the bottom line, he'll say. It's a consistent, brother, how you doing? What's going on? That I'm going to get every single morning I walk into the office from Brett. It's a consistent head of great hair we're going to have from Ethan every single Sunday. It's a consistent Terry and Renee Orange over in this corner every single Sunday. It's an assurance. I love when I walk out of here, I see Steve Howard. Steve Howard, now we have this connection with runners. Brother, what's going on? How many miles did you run yesterday? It is a fact that is going to happen. And that's what the communion is. It is a consistent guarantee of the body that was broken for us. In a world that is constantly changing, good or bad, success or heartache. Every now and then some consistency. A solid foundation. A body that was broken for you and I. That is refreshing because it is constant. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for the assurance. We thank you for the consistency. We thank you for day in, day out, the confidence we have in you. The confidence in knowing no matter how upside down this world gets, no matter how unsure we are of tomorrow, we have you. We have your body. We have your blood. We have your love that was poured out, that was given, not just then, but each and every day in this life and the next. And that is something we can look forward to each and every day, the consistency of who you are. In your name we pray, amen.
I'm glad to see you guys today. Uh, it is, uh, it's been an awesome, awesome week. Uh, at least at our house it has been. We had a little new addition to our extended family, and 
mom and baby are doing great and that's been made it a fun week and then our oldest granddaughter had a birthday so we've been celebrating all over the place all week so i'm glad you guys are here uh if you're online we're glad you're with us hope you'll let us know in the comment bar uh where you're worshiping from who's with you stuff like that we'd love to connect with you uh especially if you're looking for a church home uh we'd love to connect with you in a special special way before we get into the message this morning i got a couple things i want to let you guys know about uh first of all may or may not appeal or apply to you but if you are one that like drives a lot and when you drive don't necessarily like to listen to whatever's on the radio uh, but would love to listen to podcasts of our worship stuff and some teaching uh, we now actually have podcasts available on spotify stitcher and itunes and spotify and stitcher you download an app itunes uh, you just go to iTunes and go to the store and look for Shelby Christian under all three of them. And we're trying to expand that as our online uh, uh, campus vision team is just looking for more and more ways uh, to connect with people outside of actually being here in person. Although we love that the best. We think that's the best being here in person, but we know that's not always available. And sometimes when you're here, you want to re-listen to something. So there you go. Uh, we are now a podcast church and you can check out and we're going to be adding other stuff other than just the messages. But right now, uh, golly, I think there's like three months worth of the entire service. It's got the music and the sermons and everything. And so we're going to be adding other stuff to, to those, uh, to those platforms as well. The other thing I want to let you know about is something I'm really, really, really excited about. Uh, and we have been talking for years and years and years about how we as a church can make a bigger impact on our Hispanic community here in Shelby County. And I don't know if you're paying attention, uh, attention a few weeks ago when we ordained new deacons this year, but one of our new deacons is Sebastian Aspagala. And uh, here's the deal. November 1st, we're going to start our Hispanic service here at 1130 in the stew. And so we are excited about that. Sebastian uh, was born, raised in Chile, is completely bilingual. And so uh, he and his family and some others are going to lead that. It's probably going to start off as like a Bible study uh, that would go along with the sermon. Then we get to a certain size. And Sebastian's actually going to start preaching uh, whatever Jason, Kevin, or I are preaching and doing it in Spanish at 11:30 in the stew. Okay, so it's just really cool that you think about the three services we got in here. We got a middle school thing at 10 o'clock in the stew. Uh, we got a Hispanic service at 11:30 in the stew. We come back at 6:30 on Sunday night for an awesome uh, senior high and college service in the stew. Uh, so God's just given us plenty, plenty of opportunities to reach more and more people. So here's the deal: we're we're going to be talking more and more about the Hispanic service that goes, but today that's just letting the cat out of the bag. So if you know folks that would fit into that service, maybe because we know in our community, we've got a lot of, of Hispanic families whose kids are in the school and everything, but the mom and dad maybe are not uh, bilingual and this would be perfect for them because uh, it's all going to be uh, in Spanish. And so we're excited about that. Excited about that on November 1st. Keep that in mind. Be praying about that. I thought this, today when we're going to continue this, this series we've been talking about, I thought this illustration, especially after yesterday, uh, was the perfect illustration um, because it's about a football referee. And, well, I'm just going to leave that right there for a minute. Um, but anyway, there was a guy that I actually knew as a kid growing up. His name was Tommy Bell. He was an NFL referee, uh, lived in Lexington, Kentucky, went to Southland Christian Church, and he used to tell some of the best stories. And one of my favorite stories I ever remember Tommy Bell tell, it was a story about one day he was refereeing a, a game, 
And all of a sudden, one of the big, strong, burly linemen was involved in this, you know, you know, collision, massive collision, like you have in a football game. And the guy's eye fell out. He had an artificial eye. And nobody knew it really. And, this artific- and so there's this eyeball laying on the, on the field. And Tommy Bell didn't know what to do. And the guy walks over and picks it up and just pops it back in. And Tommy Bell looks at him and says, says son, said, you realize this is a violent game. You've already lost one eye. What are you going to do if something happens to the other one? I thought for a minute, he said, I guess I'll be a referee like you. I think it's a perfect illustration. You know, he was across the goal line. I'm just going to leave that there. I'm just going to leave that there. Today, we continue this this series that we're in, or this portion of the journey through our, our 2020 focus on Jesus. And we're in this mini-series talking about the final answer. And today, we're going to look at this guy named Bartimaeus. Now, if you have read in your in your reading for the year, uh, if you've been reading in the Gospel of Luke, you're like, where do we know it's Bartimaeus? Well, that comes from a different Gospel, but this guy named Bartimaeus is blind. And see, the beauty of having multiple Gospel accounts is you kind of get different angles of the story, all right? Luke doesn't tell us this guy's name, but Mark does. Mark's gospel tells us that his name is Bartimaeus. Another interesting thing in Matthew's gospel, Matthew in this same story actually talks about two blind guys, but Luke obviously focuses on the one who talks, who the one who engages and gets in this discussion uh, with Jesus. And so he, Jesus is actually, this is kind of a turning point. We're in Luke chapter 18, and we're in the last part of it, so there's only 24 chapters. We're getting on the tail end of Luke. So you guys, if you've read any of the Gospels, if you know anything about it, you know what's coming at the tail end of each of the Gospel accounts of Jesus' life. And he's actually right now just beginning his final journey into Jerusalem. He's starting to make his way toward Jerusalem for what is going to be that, that final horrific week leading up to death, burial, and resurrection. He's making his way to Jerusalem, and he's passing through. He's getting ready to pass through this area, this city called Jericho. Now, the, the, city, the city of Jericho, it was known as the City of Palms. It is the same city that Joshua and the Israelite army uh, captured, destroyed as they entered into the promised land. But then Jericho was rebuilt by Herod with this huge fort and this incredible, incredible palace there in Jericho. And actually, from a historical standpoint, Jericho, Mark Anthony gave Jericho the city as a gift to Cleopatra. So this is where we are. This is historically where we are. And, And last week, we learned about a man who was a rich young ruler, but desperately was asking about salvation. And he needed a final answer about that. This guy, Bartimaeus, he, he's not seeking salvation. He's simply begging for money as the story starts. And hang on, we'll get to the story in a minute, but we just want to lead into that, all right? And he's simply begging for money until he heard that Jesus was coming. Now, I've, I've referenced the question that Reed just asked, who want, on who wants to be a millionaire? Is that your final answer? And it's an important question because once the contestants on the show answer and say, that is my final answer, there's no going back, right? 
There's no going back. In that, la- in that next split second, if they no, it's, it's A instead of B, too late. You've given your final answer. And, and part of life is about final answers for us. We can change the answer a lot. We can phone a friend. We can ask for help. We can do all kinds of things. But there comes that moment, that decisive moment, the defining moment in life when we have to give Jesus a final answer. And, and this, this man, this, this man we're going to look at today was forced to ask himself, what am I really looking for? Am I just trying to get money here or is there something more important? I thought we'd begin by just kind of, it's interesting that we're talking about 2020 uh, this year and focus on Jesus and who knew when we planned this series and that we were going to talk about the focus of seeing in 2020, who knew what was going to happen in 2020? We didn't. We had no idea. And, and so we've kind of thought a little bit about our vision, but then we kind of pushed it aside. So I want to come back, unless you, the vision's so important. And unless you've lost your sight, you can't imagine what it's like to be blind. One of the hardest things to me that I think of are are people that I know of, like Jennifer Rothschild, who's going to be here next spring for the women's conference, was born sighted and then completely lost her vision as a teenager. I can't imagine the horror of that, of once knowing what things look like and now not being able to see them, but which is worse, that or never having been able to see. Not knowing what colors really were. Have you seen those uh, videos of now that kids that are sighted but they're born colorblind and they make glasses now that allow them to see colors? Have you ever seen a video of one of those kids putting on glasses and seeing color for the first time? Uh, if you haven't, you need to get on your computer this afternoon, go on YouTube and, and, and type in kids seeing colors for the first time. It's incredible. But unless you've never been able to see, you just don't understand. You just don't understand what it's like to be blind. Like the lady who passed by a lame man who was begging on a downtown sidewalk. And she handed him a dollar bill and said, here, cheer up. Think how much worse it would be if you were blind. He said, yeah, tell me about it. Last week I tried being blind, but people kept giving me phony money. We don't understand. We don't understand. We don't understand what it's like to be physically blind. See, Bartimaeus was not faking it. He was physically blind. And he was physically blind in a time it was especially horrible because there were no schools. There were no special schools for the blind. There were no books or scrolls. In John chapter 9, the disciples even questioned Jesus about a certain blind man and asked, was it him or his parents who sinned who made him blind? We just don't understand If blindness was the result of sin, guess what? We'd all be blind. But Jesus Jesus comes into the situation and says, maybe we are all blind. See, there is this spiritual blindness in our world today that causes many people to believe that it's okay to judge people by the color of their skin. There's a spiritual blindness in our world today that allows some people to believe that it's actually okay to take a child's life while it's still inside of its mother. There is a spiritual blindness that causes some people to believe that we can remove God completely from our nation. And then they wonder why 
our nation is in chaos. See, it's not just the physical blindness that gets us. It's the spiritual blindness. Spiritually blind people can't see the Lord's will. We get so used to living outside of the will of God that we don't even realize how dangerous it is. It, it, it just becomes part of who we are. I, I, even see, I even see posts on social media. I even see posts on social media of people saying things and then them saying, them typing with their own, I can't imagine, them typing with their own fingers on their phone or on their computer, I'll see you in hell. Like that's their, that's their desired destiny. I, I can't even understand that. I can't get my mind around that. But they've gotten so used to living outside of the will of God, they don't even understand that's really where they are. It's kind of like boiling frogs. You know how that goes, right? You you take a frog and you put it in a pot of lukewarm water, and it'll be okay. In fact, it kind of enjoys it. And and then you start gradually turning up the heat, turning up the heat, and turning up the heat, and suddenly he's boiled before he ever knows it. That's how a lot of people are living in the world today. The book of Romans chapter 11, verse 8 says, God gave them a spirit of stupor. God allowed them this spirit of stupor, eyes that could not see and ears that could not hear. It was like, okay, you want to mess around? You want to play around with this a little bit? Okay, fine, fine. I'll just let you to get to the point where you don't even know what's going on until you're boiled. See, spiritually blind people can't see their own destructive behavior. Let me give you some more scripture, John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 5 says, The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. Because Jesus is the light of the world. And he's going to shine light in darkness. <clears throat> but not everybody's going to be willing to turn on the light. You know, we all in America, for the most part, especially here, in our, we've all got these little switches on the wall in our house. And when we come in in the night, if we pull it up or we touch it, or some of us can even pre-program it on our phone, that we don't ever have to walk into a dark room. And yet some of us choose, because we don't want to turn the light on in the dark, we choose to stub our toe on the piano bench that we forgot was sticking out a little bit because we just didn't turn the light on. And see, God says that the light will penetrate the darkness because the darkness can't overcome the light. And then in John three nineteen, Jesus said, The light is coming to the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. It was easier just not to turn the switch on. It, it, it was easier just to kind of leave things in the dark. Then maybe nobody will see. Maybe we won't even see. That we kind of get, convince ourselves, well, if I'm in the dark, even I really don't have to acknowledge what I know that I'm doing that I don't need to be doing. I see spiritually blind people can't see the destiny of their own path. Uh, over 100 years ago, September the 8th, 1900, a, a violent hurricane hit Galveston, Texas. And it killed over 8,000 people. And, and and this was before, this is obviously, it's before Doppler radar and advanced warning systems that we have today. Uh, but people were not caught totally unaware. 
See, the residents of Galveston could see the surf beginning to pound a couple of days before the hurricane hit. They could see the ominous clouds coming across the gulf from offshore. They could feel the stiff wind. If only they had taken advance warnings and had fled inland. Some might have died, but not 8,000. Have you seen the videos of tsunamis, especially that horrible tsunami a few years ago in the Indian Ocean that came in? And people that were just on the beach watching this massive wave coming in, thinking it'll never get here. It'll never get to me. It'll never be that bad until it was too late to escape. I think that's a lot of how a lot of people live our spiritual life. Oh, I'm just going to play right here. I'm just going to play right here. I'm just going to play on the beach for a while. And yet that big wave that's coming out there, it's not going to get to me. It'll never get this far until it's too late. And, and so, so, you know, Bartimaeus is this guy who's trying to figure some things out. And, and like Bartimaeus, we need to ask ourselves, do we see a need to change? Bartimaeus, in that one, in that one telling moment that we're going to read out here in just a moment, in that one telling moment, he went from begging for money to begging for mercy. He went from begging for money to begging for mercy. And the cries for mercy were greater than the cries for money. Look in your Bibles in Luke chapter 18 and verse 35. As we said, he's drawing near to Jericho. Jesus is drawing near to Jericho. And a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what it meant. And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, we, we don't know anything. Look, it doesn't tell us anything about how he knew who Jesus was. We haven't been introduced to this guy earlier. We haven't seen anything. But for some reason, as soon as the people told him that Jesus was coming, and that's why there was this, this kind of excitement, this kind of murmur in the crowd, he immediately cries out and asks for mercy. I wonder how he knew that. Wonder how I knew about Jesus. He's blind. I've always heard that when you lose one of your senses, that other senses naturally are increased. That people who lose their hearing can see better, smell better. People that lose their sight can can hear better. I wonder how many stories this guy had heard about Jesus. I mean, while he's on the side of the road just begging for money, I wonder how many stories previously he'd heard about this guy named Jesus that was doing all these miraculous things in places down the road. He'd heard enough, and he'd processed that enough that as soon as he heard that Jesus is coming by him, his thoughts immediately went from money to mercy. What's really important in his life. And that cry for mercy brought Jesus over to him. The cry for mercy was the best thing he'd ever done. And they, they didn't know what to do with Jesus' response and, and the fact that he actually came, but a request for mercy isn't about adding something you want to your life. Asking for mercy assumes a much deeper, deeper need. Oh, Lord, have mercy on me. You know, some grief... Or wound is still festering. There's a need for mercy. 
Maybe it's some broken dream that still haunts or, or some shame shackles that need to be torn off. And so Bartimaeus immediately says, just forget the money. I want mercy. And the next thing we see about him after he cried for that, he kept going. He's kind of like the ever-ready bunny. Uh, he keeps going no matter what anybody says, because look at verse 39. And those who were there, those who were in front of him, those who were closer to the street, those who had the good seats, those who were really right there, they were the prime time, those who were in front rebuked him, telling him, be quiet. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Have you ever felt like the whole world was against you? And all you were trying to do was get help all you really want was help all this guy wants is help but but those who were in those good seats those who were in front of him like shh be quiet be quiet be quiet but the bible tells us we just read it that he cried even louder remember a couple weeks ago we talked about persistence we talked about how important it was in our prayer life to be persistent in that. So he didn't quit. He just, he just cried out even louder, and it worked. Because verse 40 tells us Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, what do you want for me to do? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. Robert Sumner is an evangelist that wrote a book years ago called The Wonder of the word of God. He tells about a guy in Kansas City who was who was horrifically injured in this massive explosion. And there's this massive explosion. He survived it, but he was badly disfigured. He lost both his hands and he's totally blind. Now this guy had just become a Christian recently. And one of his greatest disappointments was he could no longer read the Bible and learn about Jesus. But, but he, heard, he heard about a woman in England who, who read Braille with her lips. Because, you see, he lost his hands. He couldn't even do Braille with his hands. But he read about this woman who read Braille with her lips. And thinking he might be able to do the same thing, he sent for some books of the Bible and Braille, but soon discovered the nerve endings because his face was so burnt. The nerve endings on his lips were destroyed by the explosion. However, as he, as he brought one of the Bibles, one of the, one of the pages of Braille to his lips, his tongue just happened to touch a few of the raised characters, and he realized he could feel them. And he immediately thought, I can read the Bible using my tongue. At the time that this guy wrote this book, this gentleman had read through the entire Bible four times with his tongue children were learned were taught to read the bible because with or read books with braille with their tongue because somebody just kind of figured out oh i can feel that what's it take for you to feel that you can get closer to jesus what, what kind of sensory involvement needs to happen so that you can feel drawn to jesus this man knew what he wanted and he kept going and that's what Bartimaeus did, too. And, and he knew he needed healing. I, I, love, I love what Mark tells us. And all week I read through the different gospel accounts of this story. I love what Mark tells us in his gospel. It says, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Now, now stay with me on this. Stay with me on this. So there's, there's a blind guy. 
blind guys aren't in the habit of just jumping up and throwing anything aside because if you're blind and you throw your cloak aside, guess what? You may never find it again. There was an assumption when Jesus asked him to come to him. There was an assumption based on what Mark says. There's a guy made an assumption. My life is about to change. I'm not worried about losing my cloak anymore. Something's about to change. Something's about to give. And look at verse 42. And Jesus said to him, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. He knew that he needed healing. And when Jesus heard his cry and said, let him come to me, he was, let's go. Because something's about to change. Something's about to change. Guys, I'm telling you, this world needs to change. And we need to be the change agents. We need to start telling our stories about how Jesus did something and changed our life. So that when people hear that call from God to come closer, they know something's about to change. I want you to see this. Look what he did. He praised God. For the transformation. Remember a few weeks ago, we had the story about the lepers who were healed. And, and we had the story about the lepers who were healed. And nine of them never came back to say thanks. This guy, Bartimaeus, couldn't say thanks enough. I love the song we sing. Maybe it should be called Bartimaeus' song. We sing the song that says, how can I praise you enough? You are the Lord Almighty, shining all the stars in glory. Imagine if that's Bartimaeus' song. Now he's seeing stars for the first time. For the first time, he can look up in the sky and he can see the stars. How can I thank you enough? Your love is like the wildest ocean. He he can see an ocean, but nothing else compares. That's where our praise should be. Our praise should be always to God for transformation. So let's finish this up. Let's finish this up, okay? It's time for some honest evaluation. I'm going to finish this up. I'm going to give you four questions that, that I want to encourage you to, to jot down in your Bible, to type into your phone, to get in your mind, maybe take the pictures as they come up, because I think you need to answer these questions. All right? I think you need to answer your questions, because it's time to get real serious and real personal right here and answer these questions. Question number one is this. What, what is your greatest need? See, Bartimaeus had been begging for money for years. But as soon as he heard that Jesus was coming, he instinctively knew money is not my greatest need. Mercy is my greatest need. And that mercy might give me sight. What's your greatest need? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you a little bit. I'm going to give you the, the cheat sheet. If, if you don't already call yourself a Christian, then hands down, your greatest need is Jesus. Your greatest need is Jesus. Because whatever you're going through, it, it's not going to get fully well without Jesus. Life's not going to be everything it can be without Jesus. Now, the world might tell you it's money 
or health or the perfect spouse or peace or recovery from addiction, but nothing else compares to Jesus. How can I praise you enough? Your love, your love is like the wildest ocean. Nothing else compares. What's your greatest need? And then add to it the answer of Jesus. Question number two, all right? Question number two, what are you doing about it? Whatever your first response was of this is my greatest need, what are you, what are you doing about it? Based on what the world convinces us our greatest need is, we tend to respond with worldly appropriateness. Here's what I mean by that. If we think that we don't have enough money, the world would say, work every hour you possibly can to make enough money. Let me tell you something about that. Are you working every hour you can possibly work to make as much money as you possibly can make? Let me tell you something about that. Satan loves that. Satan absolutely loves that. Are you, are you, are you trying really hard to fight through some secret sin all by yourself. I, I'm going to get through it. I'm going to tough it out. I'm, I'm just going to get through it. Whatever it is. Let me tell you something. Satan loves that. Are you, are you trying to fill some kind of emptiness in here? Some kind of emptiness in your heart with everything that the world has to offer? Power, prestige money all this. are you are you trying to fill that emptiness with those things let me tell you something about that satan loves that you, you see we have to realize that we can't do it alone all, all through this pandemic uh, you know, there's been several things that bothered me. One of the things that bothered me the most was, and, and I praise God, I mean, we did it. I just talked to you about how we were increasing our online presence. There was a time and a season where that was, but, but you know what it did? There was a lot of people that convinced themselves. No, no, wait, they didn't. There were a lot of people that were convinced by Satan that I don't need the church to be a Christian. That I'm fine just wherever I am. I don't need the church. They they say things like I can follow Christ without a church. Here here's what here's what God kind of spoke to me and, and told me. That the problem with that is guess guess what the Bible guess who the Bible says that Jesus is coming back for. The bridegroom is coming for his bride, which is the church. It doesn't say that the bridegroom is coming back for all the guests who happen to show up once in a while at the wedding. The Bible tells us that when Jesus comes back, he's coming for his bride, the church. So I think it's important to get as connected as you can to the bride of Christ. Now, I realize I'm not here every Sunday. It's important to have vacation and to be away, but I promise you this. Now that we're online, there's not a Sunday since we've been online that I haven't worshipped with this fellowship of believers. Maybe at another place, but this is family. This is the family of God. This is the bride that Jesus is coming back for. Third question. This is a big one. This is one that trips a lot of us up. Are you willing to ask for help? 
Are you willing to ask for help? I think this is where the rubber hits the road. Uh, for many, this comes down to taking a big swallow of pride. The other night in our community recovery group, and we were kind of talking about uh, you know how to stay healthy and how to stay stay clean and how to stay in a good place. And and I, I gave out index cards and I asked everybody in the group whatever their issue was that they're dealing with, just to write down the names of five people who they who they supremely trusted, five people who knew enough about their story that they could really embarrass them and make their life miserable if they don't. But they knew they wouldn't tell their story. And I said, I want you to write those five names down, five names down. And, and then make sure you got those people's phone numbers. Because those are the people you need to have in your phone. This is what we're, Those are the people you need to have in your phone so that when you're having a tough day, you can call one of those people and they can help you through that day. And, and everybody got those numbers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how many of you already had those numbers in your phone? And a lot of people said, yeah, I already had those numbers. And then here was the question. Why haven't you been calling those numbers? See, it doesn't do us any good to know where help is if we're not willing to ask for help. And so I asked them, I asked these, these men and women, why aren't you willing to make the call? You know what the number one answer we got was? Because we've already made up our mind and we really don't want to hear what they have to say. Huh. Huh. You know what I'm convinced of? That's true for all of us. And it doesn't have to be about addiction. You know, the Bible even talks about a time that would come when people wanted to hear what their itching ears wanted to hear. I've already made up my mind. I'm just looking for somebody to justify it. And those people won't justify my sin. Therefore, I'm not going to call them. I'm going to call somebody else who will. So my question, once again, is are you willing to ask for help? And final question, are you willing to accept the help? See, part of the struggle for many of us is, is that our cry for help, our cry for help is really a cry for get me out of this situation not help me out of this situation for, for many our cry for help is you fix this for me so that i don't have to do the hard work you get me out of this not help me out of this our society has taught us to go for the quick fix for the immediate solution the bailout instead of being willing to do the hard work with some assistance See, when we cry out to Jesus, we've got to understand, though, Lord, have mercy on me. When we cry out to Jesus, his answer may not be your answer. His way may not be your way. But in the end, in the end, it's better to teach a man to fish for a lifetime than to give him a fish for a day see that leaves us with this big question that, that Bartimaeus had what am I looking for what are you looking for the final answer is that like Bartimaeus we can have the deepest needs in our life met but here's the catch one, one last time just to make sure you got it Bartimaeus's greatest need was not his eyesight don't miss that Bartimaeus's greatest need was Jesus and that's what he got and that's what still matters most in our life today so what are you looking for what are you looking for 
Final, final answer, it's time to start looking for Jesus. And if you already know him, if you already know him, it's time to start looking to Jesus and allow him to really direct your life. Would you guys stand with me? Maybe you're here today and you've never, maybe you've never accepted Jesus. Maybe you didn't even realize that's what you were looking for. Maybe you just came because maybe church today was a last ditch desperation measure. And you didn't even realize it was a cry for mercy. And God spoke to you. While we sing this song about revival in our land, if you need some help with some questions, if you need Jesus as the final answer, Jason's down here, Bradley's back here, Terry's here, we got some other elders, White's here. Why don't you come? Why don't you come as we sing this last song?
your first time we've got a special gift for you out there in the lobby there's a big orange wall that says i'm new um, brett and his team's out there and they've got a special gift if you just stop out there on your way out uh if you've been here a while and you're trying to figure out what's my next step where do i get re-engaged where do i get engaged there's a room right back there you can go through that door you can go out in the lobby and around there's some folks out there that can help you do that our next pathways is coming uh we're going back to in-person pathways tuesday night october 6th and you can sign up for that online right now finish of service dwight meadows who is the chairman of our elders uh, is going to make a really short quick announcement uh and after dwight is finished you guys are dismissed good morning everybody uh you may or may not know but october is pastor appreciation month and in years past we've uh, taken that month to collect gift cards that can be divided up among the staff and I just want to say a word about Dave and the staff. Uh, they always do a good job, especially when times are good. It's easy to do a good job. But this year has been anything but. And uh, since March, they've stepped up and done a yeoman's job to, uh, to keep the doors open so, <clears throat> so that we could come and worship. And uh, I just hope this year... Uh, we can really show our great appreciation to them uh, through our drive. And I've got a, a, a three-P program. The first P is for prayer. That's something we can all do. And we need to pray for Dave and the staff, and most of us are already doing that, I'm sure. But we need to continue that. And the second P is postal. Maybe you can't get a gift card. But if you could just get an appreciation card and, and just write a little personal note in there, even in this day where computers and, and all of that, uh, you know, texting and stuff, people still appreciate just a card with a personal handwritten note. I believe that. 
And then the third P is purchase. And if you have the uh, financial wherewithal to do it, go out and buy one or two gift cards, uh, any amount, and uh, any vendor, wherever you want to get them, and bring them in. And we've got white buckets sitting around the auditorium, or we will have, starting next Monday. So anyways, uh, let's fill those buckets up. And at the end of the month, uh, they'll be divided up among the staff. And that's our way of showing appreciation. And uh, as Dave would say, <clears throat> love God, love people. Let's go out and make Jesus famous. See you next week.
Yeah. 